Another day Another dollar Makes you wonder where your money went You can scream And you can holler Hi folks, this is Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times And the things that we can all do to live a better life If times get tough or even if they don't dictate, it is almost always the case for my personal mobile studio during a 50-mile commute. What's different today is today's actually, when you're listening to this, uh, Thursday, September 3rd, 2009. But I'm recording it on the afternoon of the 2nd on my southbound trip from Frisco down to Arlington because I have some engagements in the morning that are going to make publishing the show all but impossible unless I do it overnight. So I'm pre-recording this one from you for you on the afternoon. But otherwise, everything else is the same. Again, as Clowns and Heroes, the segment is in a precarious fight for its existence, its life. Uh, right now, the voting is riding on on me only doing ass clowns and heroes right you know present to you somebody that's doing something really dumb and somebody that's done something kind of heroic or really good uh, I've been doing that every day up until last week and uh, some people don't like it so the voting right now is leaning towards uh, doing it on rare occasions when somebody does something outstandingly heroic or outstandingly ass clownic I actually like that idea I'm not having my feelings hurt by this but if you want to save the segment you better get on the forum and vote for it if you don't it will be dead soon. Uh, so we will do right into our housekeeping today. Uh, let's start off with our advertisers of the day. They are Tea Party Silver. Uh, absolutely beautiful coins. Uh, check them out. Somebody suggested to me by email recently that they make a great gift because they're beautiful, they have lasting value, and they open a conversation about taking liberty back. I think that's really cool. Again, I own them myself, and I'll be adding some of their Morgan Dollar ones that they've just added. Added, uh, very, very soon. I didn't get to order them before I went away on vacation. They are running a sale right now. Uh, next, Tactical Response Gear, uh, James Yeager's operation. Excellent equipment, excellent training. Uh, one of the best people in the industry that you can uh, do business with. Stand-up guy, and he will absolutely take care of you if anything on rare occasions ever goes wrong. I guarantee you James is going to make it right. So make sure you're supporting those sponsors and our other sponsors, which are visible on our website in the right-hand margin. Uh, another call out. Please join our forum. Get involved with our forum. If you want to vote in the poll I talked about, you got to be a forum member or you can't vote. Don't send me emails. I'm going to get emails from guys on Ask Clowns and Heroes. Your vote doesn't count. you got to vote in the poll. Raw numbers here. Uh, people's emotions, how good a case they can make. I want to give this show to you the way you want it, and I have to serve the majority, and it's looking like the majority's leaning a certain way, so it looks like what I'm going to do. Uh, again, that all starts at the forum, though, so you can participate participate in polls and give me feedback in a measurable way rather than the way I think things are because I have my own bias. We'll talk about that today, personal bias uh, in a minute. Last but not least, if you think this show's worth more than two dimes per episode, 20 cents, consider joining the Supporting Members Brigade. You get exclusive content available only to members. Uh, on a note there, uh, we've been getting 60-some dollars worth of value. Uh, it just went up by 10 bucks because Safe Castle, L- uh, self Castle Royal just raised the price of their discount membership by $10 for a lifetime discount membership, but you still get it free as a member support brigade member, and you'll be supporting the show and the work that we do here and helping me bring this show to you in a 
an energetic and valuable way every day. So that knocks out the housekeeping. Three minutes, 45 seconds for those that measure it and count it and think it's too long. Let's get into today's topic. What are we going to talk about today? I'm going to talk about making a decision on issues. Be they political, be they spirit, be they anything, any type of issue, but mainly for politics. Now, why am I going to do this? One, because I haven't done a political show in a long time, and it looks like I'm going to kill Ash Clouds and Heroes, and that's going to take any little piece of politics out of this. Two, because I get accused by some people of being a crazy liberal, and some by being a nut job right wing fanatic. And uh, I am neither. I'm a libertarian. I think that most people, if they clear themselves of all of the lies that we're told, are libertarian at heart. But I think most people crave liberty. But instead of trying to convince you that I'm right on an individual issue that you will disagree with me on, and I absolutely guarantee you that you will disagree with me on issues, I'm just going to tell you how I examine an issue and decide where I fall on it. Now, what does this have to do with survivalism and preparedness? It has a ton to do with survivalism and preparedness. Let's face facts here, folks, the ones that want all politics out of this thing. Your life is influenced more than you can imagine by about 646 people. They are the President of the United States, 100 Senators, and 545 Congressmen. Those 600-odd people have a huge impact on your life on a daily basis, and they make decisions that you and I have to live with. We need to be aware of those decisions and how they're impacting our life. It doesn't matter which side of the issue you're on. It doesn't matter. You still need to be aware of it, and you need to be aware of how it will impact you. If the decision is that they are now doing things that will allow them to quarantine us if the pandemic gets out of hand with this new flu that I think is bullshit, and a lot of you think is bullshit too, whether you're for that or against that doesn't matter. Being aware that that's going on is important. And then deciding where you stand on it is important because if you're going to embrace it, you better know why you believe what you believe. And if you're going to oppose it, then you damn well better know why you believe what you believe. So many people today believe what they believe because the TV tells them. These are the sheeple. When I call people sheeple and they jack stop calling them sheeple. They're not sheeple just because they're not survivalists. I never said they were sheep because they're not survivalists. That's a personal choice. Sheeple are the ones that believe what they're told. Whichever, if they tune into Fox Network, George Bush. Bush is God. If they tune into MSNBC, Barack Obama is God. Right? Those are the sheep. And they're sheep because they don't think independently and they don't examine issues in a way that makes it clear cut where they should stand based on their own personal moral compass. And the reason I bring this up is understanding what's going on how it's going to affect you is going to be extremely important into deciding when do you take additional actions with your preps. What's the current threat level? Not the threat level they tell us. Oh, it's threat level orange or some other bullshit somebody makes up and pulls out of their ass. What, it, based on your knowledge of what's going on, is the personal threat level for you, and how will the actions of your government impact that threat if it comes to pass? What can you count on them for? What can you not count on them for? How will they make it better? How will they make it worse? When should you rely on government to help you in a certain situation, such as your house is burning down? and you have a uh, local file department that is technically a government operation, yes, you rely on government. You pay taxes. They should show up and put the fire out. 
Okay? Understanding when to have them put the fire out and when to put the fire out yourself. And when to put the fire out yourself as best you can and hope that help comes but don't depend on it. That's what I want to talk to you about today. On that note, what I did a very long time ago, and I did a show on this in the past, probably episode 60-something. I'm going to do it again today. It's simply a 10-question quiz. And these 10 questions are the questions I ask myself about any issue. Now, I'll bring up certain issues, and I'll tell you my take on them as we go through these. You may 100% vehemently disagree with me on how the question gets answered for the issue. I don't care. I'm okay with that. You can believe anything you want. I know it's hard for you to believe when I say that. Because so many people don't mean it when they say it. I absolutely mean it. As long as you're not afraid to honestly ask the question and honestly seek the answer as best you can. That's what I'll ask you in any issue that you're undecided on or you're completely convinced everybody else is wrong about to go in and examine it with these ten questions. Question number one. I think it might be one of the most important questions there is. Now, understand that any one of these can be failed or passed, and a further question may reveal that it actually shouldn't have failed or passed that question, right? So you may hear me bring up an issue and go, well, that's not exactly true, but, so wait till I go all the way through, and you'll see how the whole process works together. And you can use this for making decisions in business, too, folks. These decisions really come from a 10-point plan that I used for a decision-making process and running several different companies. That's where they came from, and then they got converted into a, a, a political barometer, if you will. Question number one, does it affect me? Does it affect me in the slightest? Let me give you an example of something that the government could do that may really not affect you. Something my local government has been trying to do here for a long time in the city of Dallas. There is a movement in the city of Dallas to change the name of one of our streets to Cesar Chavez Boulevard in downtown Dallas. Now, does this affect me? Not directly. Not really in any way, shape, or form. I don't like it. I think it's a stupid thing to do just because they feel they have to do something to appease the Hispanic demographic. Um, I don't have anything against Cesar Chavez. I personally think that if you want to name a road after him, great. We build new roads all the time. Name a new one. But it doesn't affect me. Who does it affect? It affects the countless businesses on some of these streets that would have to go and reprint all of their materials. It's going to cost them money. Next question. We'll get to that one. But it doesn't really cost me money for them to change the name of a street. So it doesn't really affect me. So on that, if the government's involved with that, I don't really care. Uh, they, they want to change the name of Shiva Shabbos. I have my personal opinion, but I'm not going to invest any intellectual capital or any emotion into it. Why would I? I Taking it to another level, I live in Tarrant County in the city of Arlington slash the city of Mansfield. Right, depending on which tax bill you look at for what part of my property taxes I pay. Right on the border between Arlington and Mansfield. Uh, I vote for Arlington City Council. I don't even vote in Dallas. I have no influence. It's outside of my circle of influence. It may be in my concern circle, but I don't, it doesn't, I, I can't influence it. So I have to kill that issue on the grounds of I don't have any capital to invest in it because I can't influence it and it doesn't really affect me. Alright? The next question is, um, does it increase government power? 
That's my next question with any issue that the government is, is looking at. And I really am leery of anything that increases the power of government. We have come so far in the last 100 years of giving up individual liberty and giving more and more power to the government. I just don't think the government needs any more power. Now, you don't have to agree with that to use this question. It's still good for you to know the answer. If we look at changing the street name to Cesar Chavez Boulevard, nice benign issue, nobody's going to get their panties in a wad over it. It doesn't, right? Changing the name of a street does not increase government's power. It doesn't set up additional power. It doesn't set up anything that the government is going to be able to do to you. They're not going to come down and change your name. It's not going to set a precedent where they can phone you up and go, is this Joe Jones? And you go, yeah, this is Joe Jones. And they go, now your name is Samuel Thomas. I don't want to be Samuel Thomas. It doesn't matter. We now have this new power. Right, so it doesn't increase the power of government. So I'm, I, I'm less likely to worry about opposing it, in addition to the other reason I gave you. When I look at something, oh, let's say the um, universal health care that they're trying to pass, that absolutely, 100% does increase the power of government. It absolutely does. The Patriot Act increased the power of government. Right, Most things done at the federal level increase the power of government. And I'm not saying that that's an always bad thing. I'm just saying if you're going to give your government more power, you better damn well know it before you say, yeah, I'm for this. You better be very clear on what you're doing. Because every time they get more power, you get less liberty. All right? The two are intrinsically synced together. When you empower government, you disempower the individual. Period. You remove choice. You, re- you give. As soon as the government has more power, they have an ability to enforce it with penalty. Uh, this is where I differ with a lot of people out there, including Glenn Beck. Uh, Glenn Beck has been known to say a lot of times, this is a, especially when talking about illegal immigration, this is a nation of laws. I don't believe that this nation was set up to be a nation of laws. I believe that this nation was set up to be a nation of liberties. And every law encroaches upon a liberty. Again, that's not always bad, but you better be clear that that's what the hell is going on and go, are we willing to sacrifice this liberty for the other side of this thing? In other words, there's times where that makes perfect sense. It obviously takes away a liberty that I would have to go and steal your car for that to be illegal. But that law makes perfect sense because by me stealing your car, if I have that liberty, you're denied the liberty of ownership of private property. The car now belongs into whoever can steal it last. Right? It doesn't even become my car because somebody might steal it from me. So I'm okay with the law restricting a liberty, but is it doing it to protect the liberties of others, or is it doing, doing it solely to increase government power, oversight, and control? And again, if you think government power, oversight, and control is a good thing, I question whether you're right or wrong, but it's your belief you do what you want with it. But damn well, no. Please know what you're giving away when you say yes to something, or what you're turning down when you say no to something. You cannot be afraid to ask these questions. Number three, does it create class warfare? In other words, could we take one of these issues that nobody ever actually does anything about, 
and see how we use it to divide people into, let's say, the Democrat and Republican camp or conservative and liberal camp, where people would tend to agree 95% of the time with, with, with both sides uh, or be able to work together or be going toward the same aim, and then we take this one little divisive issue and we drop it in the middle and we use it to create a class warfare system where since you're so distracted and you're so worried about this issue that doesn't pass test one, it doesn't affect you, that you polarize to either side of the issue, and understand I'm saying this now, either side polarizing on it is probably bad because it empowers government to go do other bullshit while you're not paying attention. Or it empowers whichever side that you align with to get away with other things that you otherwise would not let them get away with. Let me throw one at you that a lot of you will disagree with me about. It's okay. You can disagree with me all you want. Gay marriage. I am not opposed to gay marriage. I'll tell you why later. I'm just not just for right now, understand, I don't care if two gay people get married. Because number one, I don't think it, it passes test number one. It does not affect me. It does not increase the power of government. Alright? And it does cause class warfare. There's an awful lot of gay people in this country. You can love them, you can hate them. It doesn't really matter. All right? I got to be honest. I have some bias there. Um, I'm not real comfortable around gay people. I'm, I'm really not. I have to be courageous when I say that because I don't want to be labeled a gay basher. But honestly, especially two gay men, when they start their little talking and being, it's really, honest to God, there's a piece of me that's repelled by it. I don't have anything against them. I would hire them in a split second to do a job that they were qualified for. But just like you may not want to hang around me because I curse occasionally or I drink beer, all right, that doesn't mean you wouldn't hire me. It doesn't mean you, you're prejudiced against me, but maybe my cursing makes you uncomfortable. Well, people talking about doing things between two men makes me uncomfortable. All right, But that doesn't mean that I need to oppress an entire class of people because I'm uncomfortable. And it doesn't really affect me. But how many people... How many people, because they're for gay marriage, will align with Democrats, but then turn around and say, but I'm for the Second Amendment, I don't think we should overpay our taxes, but because it's a civil rights issue to them, it hits them in a moral compass level, they'll align with people they should not align with. Those issues like that are only there to divide us. And I know some of you think this is a big issue. I know some of you think this is the most important thing in the world. Let me explain to you why I'm not opposed. I never said I was for why I'm not opposed to gay marriage right now. I don't think the government should be regulating marriage to begin with. I think that marriage is between two people and their God. I don't think we should be subsidizing being single. I don't think we should subsidize being married. I think that all people should be treated equally under our Constitution, regardless of race, creed, religion, or marital status. The state does not belong in your bedroom. That's what I believe. So that means that if church XYZ says we do not condone gay marriage, we will not marry gays, we won't do that, right? then they're free to do that. And if church ABC says, we do marry gays, we allow gay clergy, they're free to do that too. And that marriage should be between the two people and whatever their version of God is and nothing else, including if they are atheists that see it as a secular union. It's still their business. It's not your business. It's not my business. We don't belong there. That's why I feel it. Now, you again, you believe anything you want. You want to take the opposite side of that issue with me? It's fine. Just know why you believe it. 
and make sure you ask these other questions about it or any other issue. Uh, next one, what will the cost be and what will, be, what will the return of investment be to us? What's it going to cost us? How many times do we just say, oh, we're for something? We don't even know. No idea. How are we going to fund it? How much money is it going to cost? Will it increase in value for us? Social Security is a perfect example. Why didn't anybody ask the question in the beginning? How much is it going to cost and what are we going to get back? Ah, my friends, the question was asked and we were lied to. We were told, you'll always get back more than you put in. It'll always be solvent and the program will pay for itself. It's just the government helping you save for your own retirement. Lies, lies, lies. But if anybody had actually run the numbers, and people did, and they shouted alarm, and they said, this is going to be a bankruptcy for our nation. And here we sit today with between Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security, a $53 trillion hole. A $53 trillion hole and all three programs on the verge of complete, total insolvency. But no one was willing to really think hard and ask the question, how much is this going to cost and what will the return of investment be? That's so important. Now, it's important to ask both sides of that question, the cost and the return of investment, because I'm not opposed to a cost if it pays itself back to me. In other words, if you said, Jack, this is an ironclad deal, and every dollar you invest will pay you $2 back in the next five years, every dollar, and you, and you said to me, now, how much money do you want to invest in this? And if I believed it, and I thought it was true, and it was real, and the numbers made sense, I would say 100 bazillion gazillion dollars. I'll spend as much money, I'll scrape, I'll sell stuff, I whatever. As long as I can live those next five years, I want to put as much in there as I can, because you're going to double my investment. So we have to ask, what's the ROI? Well, that leads us to the next question, though, about you know how is it going to cost us, and who's going to pay? Um, who benefits and who pays for it? That's important, too. Um, if the people that benefit are going to be people that don't pay for it now and don't pay for it later and never give the ROI back to the people who do pay for it, then I have a real problem. I, I, I'm just suggesting that maybe when we have an issue that's at a government level and they're going to pass a law that says that you and I have to abide by it, and it's going to influence us, and we're going to have to, to deal with issues and what have you for, for God-awful eternity. Because repealing a law is a hell of a lot harder than passing one. If we're going to do that, maybe we should have a fundamental understanding of who's paying the bill and who's getting the benefit. And the people that are getting the benefit, are they going to then give it back to society? I have a lot of problems with the public education system. Right, But I'm not opposed to taxpayer funding education. I'm really not if we would fix the freaking broken system we have. Because educated people become productive members of society. Being Having our children educated, at least being able to read, write, and do math, and having a fundamental understanding of how the world works, how science works, how, how geography works, how to read a freaking map, how to get information, how to disseminate information, how to communicate, that pays a tremendous value back to society. Now, I don't think we're getting the return of investment we should off of it right now. I think we're grossly overpaying for it, but that's my opinion. But the overall concept, I'm not opposed to, because the ROI is there for everybody. When I pay a property tax that goes to fund a school system, 
And that school turns out educated young people, they're less likely to come and rob my house that I was paying the tax against. So we might be paying too much there, but again, I'm okay with it. All right. Now, people that are purist libertarians would say, Jack, oh my God, you're supposed to be a libertarian. Libertarians should be for the abolishment of all publicly funded education. I'm for the abolishment of a public monopoly on education. I think that if your state is spending $8,000 on your student to go to school, you should have the option to take that $8,000 and spend it with a private institution if you choose to, or at least some portion of it. At least what you're paying. All right, let's say that my school taxes are $1,000 a year. Well, I should be able to at least get that 1000 bucks toward a private education. I think that's only fair, as long as I have kids. I actually think it should be more. If it was even 50% for a voucher program, I would be for it. But again, you think what you want. You believe what you want. But this shit affects you, folks. Don't think this has nothing to do with preparations and survivalism. How your children are educated and how the kids of your next-door neighbors are educated absolutely affects you. It affects how those people are going to respond if the shit hits the fan. Please understand how these things are interrelated to each other. It's really important. My next question is, am I biased? Am I biased in this issue? Is my prejudice, is my personal distaste for somebody or their behavior influencing my decision in a way that's not fair or constitutional or uh, behind liberty? Uh, commensurate with the philosophy of liberty. Uh, gay marriage is what I'll go back to. I'll go back to that one because I used to be 180 degrees out. I used to be 100% opposed to gay marriage. I thought it was a terrible idea. And then I realized something. That honesty with you, how I feel uncomfortable around gay men, especially gay women, I don't know, it's a guy thing. No big deal, whatever. Maybe it's because they have the same interests that I do, so I understand them. I don't understand how anybody is attracted to a male. I just don't get it. So it makes me uncomfortable. Especially, you know, the woo-hoo, way out there ones, right? Okay, and if you're gay, I don't want to offend you. I'm being honest here. You should respect my honesty. But when I evaluated the whole situation, I realized that all all the other questions, that it failed the issue test for me. And the only thing that was making me come down on one side of the issue was my personal bias. It was also that it did not affect me. It made it easy for me to support something I shouldn't, a ban on gay marriage. It made it very easy for you. These gay guys don't need to get married. Why? Well, because I don't think they should. Okay. Does it affect you? No. So sometimes we go back to that first question, and because it doesn't affect you, it's easy for you to take a side that's not really consistent with what you really believe if you examine it deeper. All I'm saying is have the courage to dig a little bit deeper and ask the questions, come up with honest answers, and then make any decision you want. Um, My next question, and I think this is a very important question, and we don't ask this question enough. What happens if we do it? What will it look like a year from now if we do this? Five years from now if we do this? Ten years from now if we do this? Fifty years from now when your children are making their way in the world is upper middle-aged people struggling with all the struggles that go with being 50 years old. What are you saddling them with after you're gone and dead and you've left it to your children and grandchildren? This stuff doesn't go away. 
When our federal government especially passes a law, we live with it for centuries, if not longer. Or as long as the thing can hold itself together and some of the self-destructive patterns that we're taking, I wonder. But we have to accept it that way. You know, I'll put it to you this way. When uh, Sotomayor was up for nomination, my father-in-law said, I think we should give her a shot. Now, I, I didn't like her as a nominee. I still don't like the fact that she's now a Supreme Court justice. Believe that out of it. My father-in-law is entitled to his opinion. If he wants to support her, he can support her. I can tell him why I don't. He makes his own decision. He's a grown man. My concern was his statement. I think we need to give her a shot. Folks, we don't give laws a shot. We don't give Supreme Court justices a shot. A Supreme Court justice we're going to live with for decades. A law we're going to live with for many decades. You don't take a sh- you don't say this. It's time for a change. You'll see if this works. That's not how it works. Because when our government takes control of something, they almost never give up the control. They almost never give up the power. So you better ask, what the hell happens if we do this? And for survival. You're going to make a decision to buy something or not buy something or go into debt or not to pay. You better ask yourself, what the hell happens if I do this? What is going to happen tomorrow, a year from now, 10 years from now, 20 years, 50 years? What legacy will this create for my family, for our nation? Don't be afraid of the question. Which leads us to the one maybe more important question that's tied right into that. What happens if we don't do anything? We get up in this frenzy sometimes. We have to do something. We have to do something. We have to do something. We have to ask ourselves, what happens if we just don't do anything at all? And often, what happens if we don't do anything is nothing. That's a two-edged sword. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. Um... If we do nothing on an issue where we're not really in a downward spiral, where things are just that some people aren't happy with it, tough. Nobody's ever happy with everything. So if I do nothing in this situation and nothing happens and it doesn't make my life any better or any worse, then I need to at least consider the option of not acting. If acting makes the problem worse, if I honestly evaluate it long term, like the stimulus packages that both ass clown presidents put in, Bush and Obama did this, those things actually make the problem worse long term by devaluing the currency. They created short term stability. They're creating a false economic recovery. I keep telling you, I think 2010 is going to look really good. I think it might be one of the biggest suckers bounces we've ever seen. Everybody expects a suckers bounce in the economy or the stock market to be a short term thing, a month or two long, and then it flops on its back. Sometimes, folks, a suckers bounce lasts for years. The real estate bubble, the all time high that had the Dow Jones Industrial Average over 14,000, that was a sucker's bounce. It came from a decision to subsidize mortgages and allow additional investment and risky leveraging of mortgage investments. All those decisions were made because it looked like a great thing in numbers on paper. All of these people will buy houses, there'll be more wealth, uh, the money will flow, the economy will boom, and it worked. But the long-term consequences were people were buying houses they couldn't afford. The real estate market was artificially inflated higher than it belonged. And sooner or later, it had to bust and the other side had to come. 
So we really need to look at what happens if we do this. What are the consequences? Even if initially they're good, do they stay good? Is there any safeguard against them going bad? Do we have a plan B? Do we have an exit strategy? You know, that's the, that's the, this is the time you have to ask that strategic military question. Okay, I said, we're, 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 we have two sides on this issue. One says if we do this, it'll work. One says it'll work for a while and then it'll go bad. And another third side says it's going to go bad right from the beginning. Do we have a way out? Do we have a plan to go, this didn't work? Do we have a way to make sure we don't create dependency with this program? We really need to ask these questions. You start asking intelligent questions like this, and you start to see facts for what they are. You start to see the issues for what they are. You start to really quickly determine when something that they tell you you need is just a power grab for government, a way to create additional class warfare and misdirect you, a way to uh, empower corporate entities. You start to see these things, a way to empower labor unions. You find out what's really going on. And it's okay to be for those things. I think you're wrong, but it's okay. But God, please know. Please know what you're for. Because it's going to affect the decisions that you make on a much more concrete level for your family on a day-to-day basis. Whether you spend or don't spend money. How much effort you put into a real evacuation plan. How much food you store. Don't think these things aren't related. They're absolutely fundamentally intrinsically linked. When you understand the physical and the emotional and the psychological dynamics of what's going on in your nation, then you better understand them in your home. And you make smarter, wiser decisions. Logic is your friend. It's your ally. The next question we have to ask is does it create an opportunity for government interference in the future? In other words, at this point, this isn't really going to affect me. It's not going to cost me money because I'm not going to have to pay for it because it's coming from existing funds that are already there. Uh, it, It seems pretty benign. But does it set the stage for them to do more and become more and more intrusive. You know, getting in the way of the Second Amendment with requiring firearms registration would be a perfect example of that for me. Maybe not for you. For most people listening to the show, I think it would. The minute we register every gun, we know who owns every gun, we know how many guns everybody owns, we can match every gun that you own to a serial number back to you, If we ever want to further increase restrictions on firearms, boy, doesn't that make it easy. If we ever decide, you know what, we're going to make every single pistol um, that's semi-automatic illegal without a special permit that you have to re-qualify for, boy, I know where to go to pick them all up. It sets the stage for future encroachment. It gives them ammunition for future encroachment. Because now they can say, look, here's this guy that owns a gun that shouldn't. Maybe there's more of them. So that's just one issue. Again, don't focus on the issue. Focus on the question. Focus on the logical thought process. Does it give the government possibilities for further encroachment onto liberty in the future using this new law or this new issue or this new program or this new department or this new budget item or whatever it is as a platform? And many times you're going to find that it does. All I'm saying is make sure you know what you're giving up. Again. 
please, before you make a decision, because it feels like the right thing to do, all I'm saying is ask the question. The next one is, and this is the most important question, question number 10, do I really need to be for or against this issue? Do I really need to care? Maybe it should be the first question I ask. I like to ask it last because I almost never get to ask it if it doesn't meet that criteria. Because I'll kill it off when I say, does it affect me? But what I mean by do I need to be for or against this issue, let's go back to gay marriage. This is another issue that we've been misled to believe that we need to be for or against it. Why do you have to take a side on that? If you say it's your religious conviction, you're a... I don't know, and I don't want to speak for anybody here. Uh, so I'm going to say you are a religitarian, a make-up of faith, a religitarian. In the religitarian faith, you don't believe that uh, homosexuality should be practiced. You're totally opposed to it. You don't want to sanction it. You don't want to sanctify it. You don't even want uh, people of that persuasion in your church. You're, you're that extreme on it. Well, fine. But does that mean that as a religitarian that you need to worry about the creed and the platform of the non-religitarian church that's down the street from you? Should your church interfere with that church? Probably not. Right? Do you want them to come? See, here's the thing, guys. When you start infiltrating people's belief systems and saying that even though you believe this way, you can't act this way, well, you set the precedent for them to come do that to you. And whoever's in control at present time gets to make the decision. This is why this is so important. This is what I want to wrap it up on. Understand this. Please understand this. When you decide that you're for a power of government, that you think government should be able to do something, for instance, those of you that thought the Patriot Act was a good thing when it was passed because you trusted the Bush administration, how do you feel about the Obama administration having those same powers today? Let me spin it around for both sides here. Because this isn't pro-Bush or pro-Obama, folks. God, you should know that by now with me. Barack Obama's programs that he's working on to get influence in our education system for volunteerism, for mandatory service, things like that that are still being talked about, still being tried to do. Having a thing where children will have to give some level of service to the country okay, and have some level of political component infused upon it. Those of you that are for that under Barack Obama, would you have been for it under George Bush? And any time you're for an issue, that should be your final check. If you're for it today, with the people that are in charge today, if the complete balance of power flopped over, Democrats are in power today, would you still be for the government having that power of Bush and his buddies were in, in, in charge? Vice versa. You're for it today and the Republicans happen to be in control, would you be for it if it became a complete swing around the other way and now a Democratic government was empowered with that? I don't think there's a hill of beans a difference between the two of them, by the way. But I know that most of you do. 
So it's important for you to ask that question. Would I entrust this power to somebody that could become our next Congress, our next Senate, our next Supreme Court, our next President? Would I give this power to somebody without knowing who they are yet? And if the answer is no, if the answer is, okay, I'm okay with the Patriot Act with Bush, but not with Obama, you shouldn't be for it at all. Trust me. Because sooner or later, sooner or later, the other side will be at the head of the table. The longest anybody's ever held the White House was four terms, and that was FDR. And the way things are today, we change our president every two, every two terms. The Congress and the Senate swings back and forth, back and forth like a pendulum. Anything you give them to control today, somebody else with a different viewpoint will be able to use it tomorrow, and they just may choose to use it against you. As a prepper, that should be important to you. It should be on your mind when you decide what you're going to support, be it financially, be it with a vote, be it with your voice, be it with your focus, be it with your emotion, be it with your power. It doesn't matter. For, for, for Pete's sakes, ask the questions. Know why you believe what you believe. And here's some questions I have for you now. If we did this, and we only even allowed the issues that passed the test for us as individuals to be front and center, what would be left? Could we actually focus on solving the frickin' problems that this country has if we use that test on all the issues? How many of them would just get killed off? Would we just say, yeah, you know what, we don't need that. We don't want to talk about that. We're not going to vote for you or against you over that issue. I don't care about that issue. I want to know about these things here. Here's the real problems. Here's the things that do affect me. Here's the things I'm willing to pay for because I know I get a return of investment on. Here's the things I ain't going to pay you for. Here's the things that you have no business doing in the first place. If we focused on that, how much better off would we be as a nation? You answer that question for yourself. Let me ask you another question. How much would this mitigate bullshit? If we all, if every person in America asked these ten questions before being willing to invest in, emotionally or financially, any of these issues, and if it didn't pass the test for them as an individual, how much bullshit would just get pushed to the side? How many places would we look at things and just go, you know what? That doesn't matter. No, no, no. You aren't going to get away with this. Because this is what happens. Eventually, enough people get really pissed off at their Congress critter. And they go down and they go, or their governor, or whoever, the president, or anybody. And they go at them. And then they take one of these bullshit issues, folks. And they float it. And they, find, they keep floating two or three of them until they find one that their core constituency agrees with. And then they go out and they convince their constituency, if you go against me to my opponent, you're going to lose on this issue. It doesn't matter what the issue is. All that matters is that you're emotionally attached to it and you have a bias for it. They'll hone in on that. And they'll use that. And that's how they stay their ass in office for four decades or more. By using that against you. How much mitigation of bullshit could we do if we taught our students in high school and in grade school, hey, when you're making a decision, ask these questions. Do whatever you want with the answers. Go back to your own moral compass, but have the answers before you make a decision. 
What kind of nation will we have? And let me ask you this. I always tell you, believe anything you want, but know why you believe what you believe. I know some of you don't believe that. A lot of you think I'm a right-wing nutjob. A lot of you people think I'm a left-wing nutjob. But you know what? I know why I believe what I believe. I can defend any belief that I have. I can tell you why. I can tell you what I think will happen if we do it or if we don't do it. I can tell you how much it's going to cost. I can tell you what it's going to cost me. I tell you. I can tell you if it's going to affect me or not. I can tell you if it's not going to affect me, why I care that it will affect somebody else, who that person is and how it will affect them. Because I independently think about these things. If everybody asked these questions, would more people know why they believe what they believe? Would that be good for our nation? In times that are tough and in times that aren't, would it be good for our nation? I personally think it would. Now, it's up to you to do whatever you want. Maybe you listened to this show today and you said, this is not my cup of tea. I wish Jack would stick to things like storing food and gardening and permaculture and uh, ham radio communications and all this other good prepper stuff. I wish you'd stick to things like the flu pandemic that we may be staring down. That may be a non-event in reality, but may be a huge event from our government. If you think that way, I'm sorry. Not every show is going to be your cup of tea. This one wasn't. But I challenge you, if you're still listening now, just take one issue, one issue that you're sure where you stand on it, and run the ten questions against the issue. There are only two results that will come from doing that. You will, A, change your position because you'll realize that you've been bullshitting into something that's not that important. Or, B, and this will be true for most of you because most of you are not sheep, you will become more convinced and more passionate and more uh, entrenched based on principles and reality in the position you already had. If I run this thing against the Second Amendment, which I've always been pro-Second Amendment, I become more pro-Second Amendment. Okay, When I ran it against gay marriage, which I was completely animately opposed to, it changed my paradigm. And I had to have the courage as an individual to look internally and accept that that could have been the result of either one of them. And what I found it, what I found is, when it comes down to core founding principles of our nation, when it comes down to the wisdom of our founders, it always makes me stronger in support of those things like the first ten amendments to our Constitution, our Bill of Rights. When I look at the Bill of Rights with that, I realize how smart those guys were. And I realize why we're so blessed. And here's where it all comes right back around, folks. Those of you that say the politics don't affect us, do you know why you can prep? Do you know why you can have a garden? Do you know why you can own land? Okay? Do you know, know why it's possible for you to turn a tenth of an acre lot in an urban setting into something that's a homestead? Or for you to go out and live a different dream and turn 20 acres into a homestead on a mountaintop? Do you know why that's possible? Because you live in the United States of frickin' America, that's why. And you do not have that liberty in most other nations. Do you know why you can take that homestead and hand it down to your, your children, and they can hand it down to their children, and they can hand it down to their children, and can stay in your family forever? Because you live here. Because you live here and because we have this system of government that people are dismantling right now. That's why that exists. You want to survive? How about you want your family to survive long term? 
Do you want to be able to hand down a legacy? Or do you want to continue to live with a disposable mindset? Is your house a place you live? Or is it a place you're going to build a legacy? Is it a home or a homestead? You can't build a homestead in a socialist country, folks, because you don't own it. Society owns it. The greater good owns it. And when you make it really good, someone takes it away from you. Someone redistributes it because it's not fair that you have something and other people do not. In a place with our foundation, our version of morality, which is if you work hard for something, if you build something, if you create something, you're entitled to directly benefit from it, and you're entitled to let whoever you want to benefit from it. If you want to be charitable and give it away when you die, fine. If you want to hand it down to your children, fine. You do what you want with what you build. And when we lose the ability to critically think and make decisions about things like that, to ask real questions that demand that we look for real answers and we become truly informed before we accept what we're told by the idiot box, we risk the very survival of that ability. And I, for one, folks, I am not willing to give it up. So once in a while, I'll climb up on my soapbox, and I will kick you in the ass, and I will demand that you understand why you have the beliefs you do. I won't tell you what to believe. I will never tell you what to believe. I don't care how contrary to reality that seems. When I tell you I believe something and I'm passionate about it, and you sound like, man, this guy's convicted in this. He wants me to believe it, too. Sure, I want you to, but in the end, you do what you want. Just understand why you're doing it. And if you do that, things will take on a new light for you. And you'll become more informed and you will understand at a much deeper level the things that are going on around you. And you'll be able to do the things that are necessary to make your life better. If times get tough or even if they don't. And with that, I'll go ahead and sign off today. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed today's show. If you didn't, I'll be back tomorrow with something that's more of a practical preparation show. But I do want to challenge you, and I want you to take up my challenge. One or two issues, ask the ten questions, give yourself the answers, and decide for yourself if they're worth asking about every issue that comes up. You might find that they are, and you'll find something magical. If you ask the questions in the right way, generally you don't have to ask all ten before you really know which side of the issue that you're going to come down on. Usually most of these things fail. They fail very early in the test, and you realize there's no more room for more government and less liberty. There's only room for more liberty and less government, because they've already come far enough. To quote the good book, to hither thou shalt come and no further. That is where I have reached at my point with our government and its power. How far you want to let them come is up to you. But please make a choice based on facts, reality, and your own personal morality. Hopefully those ten questions will help you do that. And hopefully that will help you live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. It doesn't matter cause it all gets spent